This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. Remember me? (laughs) We're back. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. Appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. It has been a long few weeks uh, for me, for the station, for my family. Uh, I appreciate all the the comments and uh, uh, notes that I've gotten from everybody um, uh, my mom passed away, uh, finally after a long illness. So, uh, uh, after uh, going up for the funeral and, uh, we've come back and, uh, we are ready to get back on our regular schedule. So, um, but again, thank you to all of those, uh, of you that reached out to me. I, I certainly do appreciate it. Uh, we've got a lot to get to. Uh, I am so look, I haven't been able to talk like this for a few weeks. So, uh, haven't felt much like talking for the last few weeks. So lucky you, you get to get some of that this morning. So, uh, welcome. And um, let's uh, let's start. I, the Red Sox are hot as hell, and, and obviously that's a, a big thing. Um, uh, being the uh, the Red Sox fan that I am, uh, but anyway, it is one of those things where we've got to talk about golf a little bit. Things are kind of crazy right now in the golf world, and. It, the, the LIV tour has started. Um, I, uh, I'm getting some kind of strange, strange uh, noise here in my office. I'm not quite sure what's going on. Uh, anyway, um, one of the things that we have to talk about is the LIV tour. They started their first uh, tournament over in London. Charles Schwarzer won the uh, inaugural event, won $4.75 million for winning this inaugural golf tournament. $4.75 million for winning one tournament. Now, let's put that in in perspective. Um, In the recent Masters, they won $2.75 million, or $2.5 million, I think, for winning the Masters, something like that. So... Rory McIlroy wins the Canadian Open this week and uh, made a t- took a direct shot at the LIV Golf Tour and Greg Norman, who was the kind of the uh, the uh, the figurehead behind it. Uh, and Rory McIlroy, by winning the Canadian Open, won his twenty first tournament on the PGA Tour. One more than you guessed it, Greg Norman and Rory McIlroy took a direct shot at him and said, "This is a day I'll remember for a long, long time." 21 PGA Tour wins, one more than somebody else. Uh, and, and, he, and he went after it one more time. You know, it, it, during the interview session, somebody uh, were talking about, uh, uh, you know, his, his accomplishments during his career. And he goes, and one more than Norman. Justin Thomas, who finished second in this tournament, did the same thing. Basically said, hey, look, 
Uh, it was a great battle today. Got out dueled, but not without a fight. Congratulations to Rory McIlroy on his 21st, w- and he used a winking emoji. Uh, look, the PGA has already reached out and, and suspended any player that has decided to participate in the LIV Tour. That's Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, um, uh, uh, look, he has to do that, right? He has to, you know, and there are guys like Sergio Garcia and Graham McDowell who resigned their PGA tour membership because they knew, you know, by participating in that, they were going to get suspended anyway. So they, they did the preemptive thing and, and resigned. But look, if you're the PGA tour and Jay Monahan said this, look, he said, you know, people ask, well, you allow guys to go play out on the Asian tour or to go play on the European tour to do this. And he said, yeah, well, look, here's the thing. They're kind of like, you know, one-off events and or, or you know, an individual event here or there. He said the difference is, is the LIV tour has plans to play in the United States. He said, so I have no choice. He said, look, uh... You know, I have to defend, uh, uh, you know, our PGA Tour members, our partners, our fans. He said, that's exactly what I did. You know, so this, you know, look, this isn't, you know, just going to play an odd event on, you know, in Europe. You know, which Tiger Woods used to do. He used to go play over in Asia and on the Asian Tour. But the LIV Tour is, is coming at the PGA. You know, there and 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 there's a ton of money behind it, and Saudi Arabia's behind it. The Crown Prince, who was behind the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, uh, is is spearheading this thing. It's his money from his hedge fund that's that's paying for this. You know, and Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour chief, said, "Look," he said, "I'm going to ask you one question." Have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour? He's right. You know, all these guys, you know, Phil Mickelson will say, well, yeah, you know, these are some scary MFs, you know, and and they do this and they do that. But I'm going to take their money. And Dustin Johnson's doing the same thing. And you know what? Shame on them. You know, the PGA Tour, you have the opportunity to play against the best golfers in the world. Now on this LIV Tour, it's a handful of guys. All right? It's what? 40, 50 guys, something like that. And there's eight of, and there's only eight events. And you're going to play against those same 40 or 50 guys every week. You know, Jay Monahan basically calls it a bunch of uh, exhibitions. But he makes a strong point. You're going to be playing against the same competition. You're not going to be playing against all the best golfers in the world. And look, if that's what maybe that's what Dustin Johnson wants. Maybe that's what Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau wants. You know what? We can't hack it over here. We want to win more, so we're going to go win over there. We can win twice, two or three times as much money for winning a tournament over there, and then I can take the rest of the year off if that's what I want to do. Well, you know what? God bless him. Look, it's it's a free world. It's it's that's what the open market's all about. But understand, there are consequences. And the consequences are is that you can't play on the PGA Tour. Now, they can still play in the majors 
For instance, the U.S. Open starts this week in Boston, in Brookline. Dustin Johnson's going to be there. Phil Mickelson's going to be there. Bryson DeChambeau is going to be there. Why? Because the PGA Tour doesn't uh, run the majors. The USGA runs the U.S. Open. You know, the Masters, uh, you know, the uh, Augusta National runs the Masters. The Royal and Ancient uh, runs the British Open. So the PGA Tour doesn't have any uh, sway over that. Now, what's interesting is the head of the USGA said, as of right now, Phil Mickelson and, uh, you know, Dustin Johnson and all these guys are welcome on the PGA or for the U.S. Open this year. What was interesting was is the comment wasn't made that said they are going to be welcome at the U.S. Open for as long as they play. It's going to be this year. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. They're going to play it this year. And they're probably not going to be allowed to play it next year. If the LIV Tour survives, and I have no reason to believe they won't because there's an, a, a butt ton of money over there. You know, they're just billions of dollars that have been put up for this thing. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of money to be made. So it's going to continue. But at some point, the backlash is going to become so much, you know, with the human rights abuses that go on in Saudi Arabia and the whole Jamal Khashoggi thing. His, Jamal Khashoggi's wife is now saying that uh, the players that uh, participate in this, short, uh, this tour shouldn't be allowed to play at all in the majors. The public relations part of this is going to become huge, where the USGA is going to say, you know what, we don't need this. And the people at the Masters and Augusta National who have already had their own issues with excluding women, excluding minorities uh, from membership at, at Augusta National, they've already had their own issues. I don't think they're going to want to be able to, going to want to get in the middle of uh, the whole human rights abuse thing. So they're going to back off as well. So there's going to come, I, I think next year, we're going to see these guys be excluded. Uh, and look, uh, I suppose one of these players, if they want to play bad enough, they could try to sue and say, hey, I should be allowed in. And, you know, you're, uh, you know, you're restricting my ability to make money, and, but, which is a whole load of crap. I don't think they'd have a chance in hell considering these are privately run events by private companies. And they, uh, you know, look, there's, there's qualifications uh, about how you get in. You know, I mean, look what's the U.S. Open, all the qualifying that's got to go through or you have to have won or finished in the top, you know, whatever uh, in the world to get automatically. And otherwise, you've got to qualify. It's like that in all these events. So I don't think they'd have a snowball's chance in Helen Court. I'm not a lawyer, nor do I play one on television, so, you know, that's just my guess. But good for Rory McIlroy for taking a shot at Greg Norman. Uh, look, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that there are a lot of guys that are sticking up for the PGA Tour. These guys that aren't, screw them. Look, am I going to lose any sleep over Patrick Reed leaving the PGA Tour? No, because he's a cheating, uh, malcontent, you know what. So I'm fine with him. <laughs> you know what? Go. See ya. Dustin Johnson. Look, Dustin Johnson's a great golfer. But he he is one of these guys that has always kind of marched to the beat of his own drummer and got a bit of an attitude and, you know. So see ya. 
Am I sad about Phil Mickelson? I, you know, I have a hard time with it. I love Phil Mickelson. I've always been a big Phil Mickelson fan. As I've, I've told the story, I had a chance to meet him in Hartford. Great guy. You know, he really is. Um, I don't understand. I, well, no, I guess I do understand Phil Mickelson going over there for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's a degenerate gambler, and he's got he's he's lost more money gambling than any of us will ever see in our lifetimes. So he loves money, and he loves to gamble. Maybe he's got gambling debts that he needs to pay. But he's also 51 years old, so he realizes that his chance to be competitive on the PGA Tour, those days are over. You know, you're not going to you're not going to win majors. You're not going to win a lot of tournaments on the PGA Tour. So he says, well, at 51, I'll go over there. If I can finish, if I can win one because it's only, you know, 50, 60 guys, I got a better shot at winning one if I get hot on a weekend. Even if I don't, hell, if I finish fifth, I could get more money finishing fifth than I would have gotten for winning the damn thing, winning the tournament in the United States. So he's trying to maximize his earning potential as uh, he gets to the end of uh, his career. He's lost all his sponsors. You know, all these guys that have, have, have gone over to the LIV Tour, they're losing their sponsors because these sponsors are tied in with the PGA Tour. And make no mistake, look, is the PGA Tour perfect? No, no, nothing is. But Jesus, these guys have made a boatload of money. And the amount of, of people that watch these tournaments, go to these tournaments, these sponsors have no choice. They're not going to stay with these guys when they go to a, um, a rival tour, especially one that's, that's steeped in controversy and, and human rights problems and, and murder. That's a public rate. You you'd have people boycotting like crazy. They have no choice. So these guys, you know, on the one hand are going over there and they, they can get bigger prize money, yada, yada, yada. But they're shooting themselves in the foot because they're losing sponsorship money. And for a guy like a Phil Mickelson, people like that, think about this. Look, Jack Nicholson, or Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholas hasn't been a, uh, a competitive golfer for, what, 30 years? He hasn't played on this, on this, he's in his 80s. He hasn't played on this senior tour even in 30 years. Jack Nicholas is still makes more money off of, of endorsements and, and all kinds of things that, you know, he'd never have to worry about money. You know, uh, Phil Mickelson, if he had kept his mouth shut and just continued to do what he was doing, you know, play on the senior tour, and he's such a likable and personable guy, you know, he would have continued to make all tons of sponsorship money for the, for the rest of his life. And these people that want to say, oh, we're doing this for the betterment of golf because you know, the PGA Tour is a, you know, a authoritarian and, and look, stop. If it weren't for Tiger Woods and the PGA Tour, you guys would be, you know, a club pro somewhere making 50 grand a year. So shut up. So good for Rory McIlroy, good for Jay Monahan. He's doing the right thing, you know. I hope these guys all fall flat on their faces. It's not going to help if one of these guys wins the U.S. Open this week. I pray to God that doesn't happen. Um, but uh, and and we're going to uh, this is a big you know this isn't going to go away. Uh, we're going to have to get uh, um, Sam Doster, our our golfing uh, uh, expert, on to uh, to talk more about this. But I just don't see uh, for these players. I don't understand if this, if it's just about money. I don't, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, is this simply about greed or do the, or do they really believe that the PGA tour is run that 
dictatorial that they have to do this. I have a hard time believing that. I really do. I really do. All right. Uh, so that's where we're at as far as uh, the golf goes. But and and we like I said the, the the RBC Canadian Open. We wouldn't have talked about that on this station for uh, you know for any reason. But you know it's it became a big deal when Rory McIlroy, who's been one of the biggest critics of of that new tour, uh, wins it and takes a shot at Greg Norman. Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, one other thing before we get to uh, the Major League Baseball, a couple of things. The college uh, uh, playoffs are going on, NCAA Division One. UConn, of course, uh, in it. They beat Stanford. They got to the Super Regionals. Uh, Stanford, I think, is ranked third in the country. UConn won the first game 13-12. to They had a 13-6 to lead in the ninth inning in game one and had to hold on for dear life. They ended up winning it 13-12. to Well, yesterday was game two. It's a best of three. Stanford won that one 8-2. to So those two teams will play. Uh, tonight, and the winner advances to the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, look, UConn now has 50 wins on the season. No team from the Northeast has ever won 50 games in a college baseball season. They are 50 and 15. Uh, they had 10 extra base hits. 17 hits, 10, 10 for extra bases in game one. Uh, they ha- were held to four hits yesterday. Uh, so... Uh, they need to uh, to find a way to rally. Look, they're going to have their hands full. There's no question about it. The game is at Stanford. Stanford will be the home team in this when UConn was the home team yesterday, and it did, it did not go well. Uh, so they're going to have to pull off a, a big upset tonight. But uh, the Huskies will play uh, in Game 3, a chance for the College World Series tonight. And a big upset in uh, college baseball, Notre Dame de- defeated Tennessee. Tennessee, the number one team in the nation, lost to Notre Dame. Uh, and Notre Dame will be heading to the College World Series for the first time in 20 years. They beat Tennessee 7-3 to in a Super Regional uh, on Sunday. They sweep the series. They win them both. Uh, excuse me, no, they won, two, they won two out of the three. They won the first one. Tennessee won 12-4 on Saturday, and then uh, Notre Dame uh, wins the rubber match yesterday. So congratulations to Notre Dame, uh, and uh, we'll see what happens with UConn tonight. That game will be on ESPN2. All right, uh, the Boston Red Sox. Uh, we got a break coming up here in a couple of minutes, but we'll get started on this. The Red Sox win yesterday. Raphael Devers, this was a great game. Raphael Devers uh, wins it for the Red Sox. He hits a two-run home run in the eighth inning. And you say, well, Raphael Devers hits a lot of home runs, big deal. Uh, the, the big deal about this was he hit a pitch that, he had no business. Not only did he have no business hitting it out, he shouldn't have swung at the damn thing. It was way outside, and he just reaches out and slaps it. And it looked like to me off the bat it was going to be like a lazy fly ball to left field. The damn thing kept moving and going and going and going, and the next thing you know, it's out of the ballpark, and he's hit a two-run home run, and the Red Sox take the 2 nothing lead. Uh, they do a great job. The bullpen uh, holds on. And the Red Sox win it. Tanner Houck picks up his second save of the season. Um, and, and this was all set up, by the way, um, because Paul Seawall came out of the bullpen for Seattle, got the first two guys. Then he's pitching to Rob Refsnyder, a guy that's just called up from AAA a couple of days ago. I mean, now Refsnyder's not a kid. He's been around for a while, played for a few teams. But uh, hits him with a pitch with two outs. So the only reason Devers even got up to the plate was because Seawald hit him with a pitch, and then Devers hits it out. And pr- prior to that, by the way, 
How about Rob Ruffsnyder, or not prior to that, after that, in the eighth inning made a a play that was unbelievable. Right, This is a guy that just comes up from AAA. John Schreiber is on the mound for the Red Sox in the eighth inning, and there is an absolute bullet hit by Ty France to uh, right center field. Ref Snyder takes off. He said, he said, look, I had, you know, off the bat, I thought I had no chance. He lays out. He's like Superman diving through the air, and he catches the ball on the dive completely off the ground, and it's the best catch of the year without a doubt. It was unbelievable. It was, I mean, Ty France just kind of looked at it and went, oh, my God. And Shriver, of course, tips the cap. And uh, so Rob Ref Snyder, you know, you think about this yesterday. Right, the Red Sox have had some big injuries. Nate Valdi is on the disabled list uh, with with a hip issue. Uh, Garrett Whitlock is on the injured list with a hip issue. The Whitlock one is a little bit more serious. We'll get into that in a, in a bit. Um, so yesterday, Cutter Crawford has to start the game for the Red Sox. Cutter Crawford didn't find out he was starting till seven thirty in the morning. All right, Cutter Crawford in his previous he had pitched in relief for the Red Sox several times this year, and I think in eight innings. Uh, he had given up something like, uh, I don't know, 10 runs or something. He had been absolutely awful, right? So, the, and the only reason that he got the start in this game was because Alex Cora, the manager, said, well, it was his turn to pitch for Worcester, their AAA team. So he was pitching uh, as a starter there. So it was his turn in the rotation. Uh, so he would have been on regular rest. So they said, well, screw it. We'll start him. We'll see what happens. Gutter Crawford went five innings, gave up one hit. He struck out seven. Now, he did walk four guys, but every time he walked a guy, he struck out the next guy to get out of trouble. One hit in five innings, right? So you think about this yesterday. Cutter Crawford, a guy who wasn't even on the roster, gets called up because of injuries. So that's a triple-A guy, starts the game. And you got a triple-A guy in uh, Rob Refsnyder who gets hit by a pitch and makes a diving catch and scores uh, the only run the Red Sox would need. And then you have a guy like uh, John Schreiber and Tyler Danish, guys that were triple-A guys, right, pitching in huge spots down the stretch. I mean, so it was like it was like the Worcester uh, Woo Sox won that game yesterday against the Seattle Mariners. Um, the best part about it, you look, uh, you were going against Robbie Ray, the guy who is the reigning Cy Young Award winner in the American League. And Robbie Ray pitched his best game of the season. He pitched seven innings, only gave up three hits. Struck out four, walked one. He was great. So you beat one of the best pitchers in baseball yesterday, and you do it with a bunch of AAA guys. And the Red Sox finish that long road trip 8-2. and two. Right? They are 9-2 and two now in their last 11 games. And they have the best record in Major League Baseball since May 18th. They are 18-7 and seven in their last 25. Their last 10 series, they've only lost one of them. They're 7-1-2 in their last 10 series. I mean, you, you look at all these numbers, you go, oh, my God. I mean, it's unreal. It's the first time they've had eight wins on a West Coast road trip since 1995. Matter of fact, it's their first road trip of any kind with eight wins uh, since 2017. And yet, after all that, you know, think about all those great numbers and, and best record in baseball and everything since uh, since May 18th. 
And the Red Sox have gained exactly a half a game on the New York Yankees. A half a game. That's how hot the Yankees have been. It's absolutely unbelievable. So on the one hand, if you're Boston, you're like, Jesus, what do we got to do? But on the other hand, when you look at it, okay, you may only be a half a game out or may have only gained a half a game. But if the playoffs started today, the Red Sox are in the playoffs. Right now, all three wildcard teams would come out of the American League East. I mean, if you look in at the rest of the divisions in the American League, the only other team not in first place that has an above 500 record is Cleveland. The Cleveland Guardians are 29 and 27. Every other team that is not in first place in the other divisions are all under 500. But the Red Sox sit in fourth place in the American League East, three games over 500. So they'd be in the playoffs. You know, and, you know, I've seen a lot of chirping between Red Sox and Yankee fans, and Yankee fans are all like, well, you know, good for the Red Sox. They think that, you know, it's great to finish fourth and have to play in a wild card series and have to win three games on the road. You know, we'd rather have the home field. Yeah, well, good. You know, look, there is a reality in baseball, right? Only one team can win the division. The other teams are going to be wild card teams. That's just the way it is. So if you are Boston, you are Toronto, you are Tampa Bay, you're fine with finishing second, third, or fourth and still getting into the playoffs because there's, look, you know, uh, there's there's 18 other teams in the American League and National League that aren't going to make the playoffs that would love to make it, right? you got six teams in each division make it, and you got 18 others that don't. So, you know, chirp all you want, but the way the Red Sox started – and I didn't – look, I said the Red Sox. I thought the Red Sox were going to be a fourth-place team. But I did not think the Red Sox would make the playoffs. Now, they may still not, okay? I mean, you know, we'll see. Um, but they are what I thought they'd be right now. I mean, they're about where I thought they'd be. They didn't – it hasn't gone exactly the way I thought it would go. But, look, they're only three and a half behind Tampa in third and four games behind Toronto, who's in second. So the Red Sox could, you know, in, in the span of a week, could end up a second-place team. And they've got help coming. We're going to talk about that when we come back. we got to take a quick break. Back in a minute, you're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 34 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning, the 13th day of June uh, 2022. And like I said, we are back to our regular schedule. We'll be here five days a week, Monday through Friday. Um, I do have to go back up north one more time uh, with my mom's passing. We're going to have to uh, uh, pack up the apartment. So I'm going to miss next Friday and uh, next Monday as I uh, do my traveling up uh, north. But that's going to be a quick trip. So we'll be gone a couple of days. But other than that, we're back five days a week and uh, uh, looking forward to kind of getting back uh, into a routine. As my, as, as you all know, we moved into our new home about eight months ago and uh, just trying to get things right. And uh, we've got our, uh, uh, I've got my bees installed. That's, that's been fun. Uh, we have chickens now uh, that are outside and uh, uh, the garden is, uh, is doing great. Um, so uh, just looking forward to being able to be back with you guys five days a week. And uh, we, we've lost, you know, uh, look, and, and I, I completely understand we've lost uh, some listeners. We've lost some folks on Facebook, and I'm hoping that we're going to be able to get them all back. Uh, it'll take a little bit of time. But uh, anyway, uh, happy to be back. Um, I mentioned the Red Sox have help coming. And, you know, look, I, how quickly is it going to be? There, there has been some, some thought that Chris Sale may be back by the end of this month. Now, Sale has been throwing. 
hopefully, you know, he is closer than not. He is going to face hitters in Fort Myers today. Uh, if that goes well, there is some thought that they may get him on some rehab assignments and start ramping him up, sending him to the minor leagues to begin pitching as early possibly as next week. That's exciting. So, you know, I think what we're probably looking at realistically for sale to make it to the majors, I would think would be the middle of July. You know, even if everything goes well uh, today and tomorrow, they send him to, uh, you know, wherever they're going to send him, whether he's going to Portland, whether he's going to Worcester, you know, and they may send him to all different levels, to, you know, to keep him on. Uh, a regular schedule. They're still not haven't decided whether he's going to go into the rotation, whether they might try him in the bullpen. Uh, frankly, get his ass in the rotation, please. But you know, come on. Uh, I know it's difficult because Michael Walk has been so good, and you know Rich Hill has been pretty good. I mean, all the Red Sox starting pitchers have been pretty good. So the question is, is well, who do you displace, and who would work better in the bullpen? Would sales stuff work better out of the bullpen? For this year, as you're trying to ramp them back up, would it be better to just have them come out and pitch an inning or two out of the bullpen? I, I get it. Uh, it's just hard when you're paying a guy that kind of money uh, and, and a guy that you know can be dominating. Of course, we don't know what Chris Sale we're going to get when he comes back from this rib injury. But uh, I want to see him in the rotation, but I, I get the idea that uh, that they may want to put him in the bullpen. Uh, I think if we're going to put a guy back in the bullpen, it might have to be Garrett Whitlock. Now, Garrett Whitlock is also on the injured list, and it sounds like the hip injury that Whitlock has is much worse than the one that Nate Evaldi is uh, uh, is dealing with. <laughs> Pete Abraham this morning in the Boston Globe uh, said he was that Whitlock was in the clubhouse yesterday, and he was walking around like uh, before the game, looking more like he was 86 and not 26. Now he's throwing, you know, from flat, he, you know, from flat ground, but they said that uh, he is not close to getting back on the mound. So it sounds like whatever it is that Whitlock did, uh, he is going to be out for a significant amount of time. It could be, you know, it could be three, four weeks before we see him back. So it may mean Cutter Crawford stays in the rotation until Sale is ready. Uh, the other guy that is coming now, he is again. This is a guy that we're probably looking at end of July, maybe middle of August. Uh, but James Paxton threw ten pitches in the bullpen on Saturday. Of course, he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. Um, Cor Alex Cora saw him, said he was pretty excited. He said he looked really good. It was only 10 pitches. You can't get too excited. But he's going to stay with the team. He's going to throw another bullpen session sometime this week at Fenway. Uh, and I would imagine they'll probably do that another time after that, then maybe send him to Florida to face some hitters, then maybe send him out for a rehab. So he's probably two to three weeks behind Chris Sale. But you have two potential aces coming back to this Red Sox team. Uh, hopefully, if we're lucky, all of them by the middle to the end of July. That is going to put this Red Sox team in a great, great position. If they can stay healthy otherwise, you know, you can't, you know, and it's so strange with, with the Valdi and, and Whitlock both going down with hip injuries. It's, it's just a, kind of bizarre. Um, so, you know, and, and the way Nick Pavetta has been pitching and the way Michael Walker has been pitching. Now, Walker wasn't great his last time out. It was really kind of the first time this year we've seen him get roughed up really badly. But, boy, if you think about this, and then you can take it when Whitlock comes back and you can put him back in that bullpen where he was so effective, 
You know, when you think about that, if you've got Sale, Paxton, Avaldi, right, uh, and then you throw in, uh, you know, what Pavetta has done, I mean, all of a sudden this Red Sox rotation looks nasty as hell. You know, and, and uh, you know, again, we'll see what Sale and Paxton are able to do when they come back. But this Red Sox team is poised to be dangerous down the stretch. Are they going to catch the Yankees? Probably not, unless the Yankees collapse. And the only way the Yankees collapse is if they get a, a ton of injuries. I mean, right now they're just incredibly hot. I mean, they scored 18 yesterday, right? They beat the Cubs yesterday 18-4. to 18-4. Things are going so well for the Yankees, right? They picked a guy up off the scrap heap, Chris Carpenter. Former, a three-time All-Star with the St. Louis Cardinals, right, who had been cut loose, been picked up by the Texas Rangers. He couldn't hang on there. They sent him down to their AAA team at Round Rock in Texas, right? So he's playing down in Round Rock, and around the middle of May, he says, ah, screw this. I don't want to do this. I'm, I'm 36 years old. I'm going home. So he opted out of his contract with the Rangers, went home. He's sitting on his couch. The uh, Yankees sign him because they had injuries to uh, John Carlos Stanton and Josh Donaldson. They call up Matt Carpenter and say, hey, you know, we want to sign you. So they do. Well, Matt Carpenter yesterday homered twice, drove in seven runs. Matt Carpenter hadn't played in a damn game, hadn't had like an at-bat, I don't think, uh, <laughs> in a week, right? Uh, it was crazy. And yet he hits two bombs, drives in seven, and he becomes a rarity. This is <laughs> seriously, this is a guy who's on his couch in the middle of May. And he became the first Yankee player to hit six home runs in his first ten games with the team. And just the second major leaguer to have six homers among his first seven hits with a team since Trevor Story did it with the Colorado Rockies in 2016. Uh, it's unbelievable. But that's how things are going for the Yankees right now, and that's why the Red Sox have only been able to, to gain a half a game. And I just checked it. He had two plate appearances since June 3rd. 36 years old. And by the way, played third base uh, and was perfect there. So, uh, look, uh, Kyle Higashioka, Two home runs for the Yankees yesterday, although one of them shouldn't have counted. Did you see this? The the game's out of hand. And, and by the way, this is one of the things I hate. You know, we want to talk about, uh, you know, the DH going away and that we don't want to see pitchers hitting in a game. Well, I'll tell you something else I don't want to see. I don't want to see position players pitching in the major leagues. It is embarrassing. It's a joke. <coughs> to me, it's it's worse than a pitcher hitting. Honest to God. Yesterday, with the game out of hand, the Cubs uh, bring in uh, Frank Schwindel, guy you couldn't pick up out of couldn't pick out of a lineup. First baseman makes his second. This was his second time, by the way, that he had appeared in a game on the mound in the last ten days. Okay, I don't want to see that. So, what does he do? He throws, they call it an EFIS pitch. It's basically a high arcing, you know, just lob it in there. It went in there at 35 miles an hour. What did it look like? Have you ever played slow pitch softball? 
This was even higher than a slow-pitch softball pitch. This thing went way the hell up, came down, and Higashioka just sat there, waited for it, and just like a guy playing slow-pitch softball, the way I used to do uh, into my mid-40s, you just wait for it, you come down, and you hit it over the fence, and you trot around, because that's what I used to do. I I didn't want to run. I just wanted to hit it out of the park. I hit a lot of home runs in slow-pitch softball. And I tell you what, if, if, if Frank Schwindel was pitching every day, I could play Major League Baseball. This was unbelievable. So that shouldn't count. You know, and I know they have rules now where I guess you have to be behind by more than five runs. Matter of fact, Dave Roberts of the Dodgers tried to pull this the other day. They were getting beat by like five runs, and he tried to bring in a position player, and the umpire wouldn't let him, which was great. But they shouldn't let him do it, period. Especially with the rosters the way they are now where every team is carrying 13 and 14 pitchers. I do not want to see guys like Frank Schwindel pitching. I'm sorry. It's a joke. But the Yankees stay hot, uh, and and they've got today off. They've got a big series coming up against Tampa Bay. Uh, and Garrett Cole, who has been great at times and has been awful at times. Matter of fact, Garrett Cole's last time out, he allowed five home runs against Minnesota. Uh, and they'll face uh, Corey Kluber for the Rays. And, again, this is one of those, if you're the Red Sox, look, you've got the Oakland Athletics coming in this week. You got the Yankees and the Rays facing off against each other. And, you know, this is an opportunity perhaps for the Red Sox to make some hay. And I hate to say this, but if you're a Red Sox fan, you almost have to you almost have to be rooting for the Yankees here because you want to catch the Rays. You want to catch the Jays. You worry about the Yankees later. But you got to catch the two teams in front of you first. So if if you're a Boston fan, you almost have to find yourselves rooting for the Yankees as distasteful as that might be. It's 46 minutes past the hour. One more break. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning. Um, the New York Mets win yesterday. They uh, beat the Angels 4-1. to one. Uh, A 5-5 five and five road trip uh, for the Mets out west. And... I guess under normal circumstances, you'd be pretty happy with that. The problem for the Mets is right now, when they left for this road trip back on June the 2nd, they had a a nine-and-a-half game lead in the National League East. Uh, They still have the best record in the National League when they get back. They're 40-22, and right? But the Atlanta Braves have been so hot, they have cut that nine-and-a-half game lead to five-and-a-half. The Braves have won 11 in a row. 11 in a row. And this is a team that, you know, again, there was some rumbling in Atlanta. Like, look, we got all this talent. We're not winning. Uh, you know, what's going on? Maybe uh, maybe, maybe we need to make a, a change. You know, we've talked about uh, there's been, you know, since we were last here, we've had uh, Joe Girardi got fired and Joe Madden got fired. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. Eric Braun just checked in because I, I was whining about the whole position player thing. Uh, and uh, Eric and uh, Paul Arnold and I do a, a podcast called The Boys of Summer. Um, Eric Braun just checked in. He said, uh, before yesterday, five position players had pitched in the ninth with their team winning. It only happened five times in the previous 95 years. Eek. Look, position players have no business pitching in Major League Baseball. They just don't. This isn't high school where you know your shortstop might be one of your best pitchers. That's not what this is. You know, it's just, it's just not. And, uh, you know, look, it just, uh, anyway. Uh, so the Mets uh, are 40-22, uh, 
five and five. They'll take it. Uh, they get a couple of home runs yesterday, one from uh, Pete Alonso, one from J.D. Davis. Taiwan Walker had perhaps his best start of the season, uh, struck out 10. This is a guy that had not been striking out a lot of guys. Alonso now 17 home runs, uh, which ne- leads the National League. Uh, the Mets are off today. They've got the Brewers coming in. The Brewers have stunk lately. Um, and the Angels, uh, look, the Angels fired Joe Madden. And I think since firing Joe Madden, they're two and five or two and six. This is just a team that is floundering, and they didn't get you know. Look, it wasn't a bad pitching performance yesterday by Patrick Sandoval. He wasn't awful, but that's a very good Mets team. Shohei Otani didn't play yesterday, um, so you know you, you had Mike Trout and look, Anthony Rendon is not the Anthony Rendon he used to be. But, you know, this is just an Angels team that is struggling like mad right now. And they get to go play, uh, the Angels get to go play the Dodgers. <laughs> Lucky them. Now, the Dodgers, of course, the Dodgers just got uh, swept by the San Francisco Giants. Dodgers have only won four of their last ten. They've lost three in a row. Um, so, you know, maybe the Angels have some hope, but I got to think, uh, I got to think probably not. Uh, but anyway, so the Braves, 11 straight wins. Uh, Kyle Wright was great yesterday, allowed five runs. Uh, excuse me, five hits, uh, picked up his seventh win of the season. The Philadelphia Phillies lost their first game since firing Joe Girardi. Uh, they had won the first nine games since they fired Girardi. Uh, they get hammered yesterday by the Diamondbacks, 13-1. to uh, But it was their first loss since May the 31st. The funny part was the day that they fired Girardi, I think they won the game, and then they fired him after that, and then they just continued winning. Uh, Ranger Suarez, who'd been pretty good uh, for the Phillies this year, Threw 40 pitches in the first inning. 40. That's insane. Um, so the uh, the Phillies lose that game. Uh, how about Justin Verlander? Right, he misses last year, and you know he has this, the, the Tommy John surgery. He picked up his major league leading eighth victory yesterday. He set down the first 10 guys he faced, gave up like a little bloop shot to, uh, uh, to right field in the fourth. Uh, he ended up giving up four runs, but they were all unearned. He only gave up three hits. He walked one, struck out five in seven innings. His ERA is 1.94. Uh, this guy's amazing. Uh, you know, say what you want. I mean, but I mean, this guy's a, he's a Hall of Famer. No doubt. No doubt. I mentioned the Giants sweeping the Dodgers. Carlos Rodon yesterday uh, only allowed two hits over six innings. <coughs> and San Francisco uh, shuts out the Dodgers. Two to nothing. Uh, Austin Slater and Mike Yastrzemski with solo home runs off of Julio Urias in the first inning. And the Dodgers, uh, as I said, they've only won four of the last ten. They've actually only won uh, uh, two in their last eight. They're two and six in their last eight games. So, uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. The Giants... I didn't think they were going to be able to repeat what they are, did last year, but they find themselves right now just three and a half back of the Dodgers. The Padres, a half a game back. Uh, the Padres got beat yesterday by the Colorado Rockies. Uh, Ryan McMahon, a two-run double with two outs in the eighth inning, and Herman Marquez was very good. Seven strong innings uh, for the Rockies yesterday, so they lose. Uh, the Reds beat the Cardinals yesterday, 7-6. to six. Cardinals in a bit of a slide right now. They've lost four of six. Um... But uh, T.J. Friedel, a uh, tie-breaking triple in the seventh inning. Tommy Pham, uh, he of the <laughs> – do you see this where he slapped Jock Peterson? 
They got in an argument over fantasy football. Well, Tommy, Tommy Pham hit a solo homer for uh, Cincinnati yesterday as uh, uh, they continue to struggle. The Royals continue to struggle. They got hammered by the Orioles. That's never a good sign when you get beat by the Orioles. They gave up 10 runs to the Orioles yesterday. Uh, home runs by Santander, Ryan Mountcastle, and Rugnet Odor. Um, and uh, they get uh, Brad Keller gave up three homers in his first two innings. Brad Keller is now one and eight. We I did a podcast with the aforementioned Eric Braun and Paul Arnold yesterday. And uh, uh, will the manager in Kansas City survive? Look, I don't think. Look, I don't think even the most diehard Royal fan really thought they were going to be a playoff team. But I also don't think they thought they'd find themselves like four or five games behind the Detroit Tigers uh, in the AL Central sitting in last place. So uh, you wonder if, uh, if Kansas City might be the next team to uh, to change managers. We'll have to see. Uh, NBA Finals go to Game 5 tonight. Celtics and the Golden State Warriors tied at two games apiece. Uh, if the Celtics are going to have any any chance, they got to figure out how they're going to shut down Steph Curry. And look, this guy, you know, Curry's amazing. At forty three points in Game Four, right? Also had ten rebounds, by the way, but had seven threes. He's thirty four years old. It's not like that. He's some some kid. He is absolutely torching the Celtics in this series. They, I mean, they'll have they'll have a guy hanging all over him, and he's still hitting it. He just doesn't care. So if they're going to have a shot, they've got to win this game tonight. They play tonight, then they play Thursday, and then Game 7 would be on Sunday in Golden State. So if you're Boston, you need to win this game tonight, go back to Boston, and win it in Boston. I do not, if I'm a Boston Celtics fan, want to see my team heading back uh, to San Francisco to play the Warriors in a Game (laughs) 7. Good luck. Good luck. Uh, and Daniel Suarez wins the uh, road race in NASCAR yesterday at Sonoma. Uh, it notable simply because Daniel Suarez becomes the first Mexican-born driver to win a race in the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, he held off uh, uh, Chris Buescher to take the checkered flag yesterday. So, And by the way, Daniel Suarez, great guy. I mean, great interview, very humble and uh, picks up his first victory on the NASCAR uh, series at Sonoma yesterday. So congratulations to him. Uh, the Braves go for their 12th win in a row tonight. And um, a notable return tonight, Lance Lynn, back from the injured list. He will pitch for the Chicago White Sox uh, tonight or uh, Tuesday. Uh, but he is going to take the mound uh, against the Detroit Tigers. He had knee surgery in the spring, hadn't pitched. He's 35 years old. He was 11-6 and six last year. And God knows uh, the Chicago White Sox need something positive to happen uh, because fans are restless. They're calling for Tony LaRusso's head uh, after he <laughs> intentionally walks a batter. He intentionally walked Trey Turner with a 1-2 count. You got a guy at two strikes down, a 1-2 and two count, and you say, you know what? Eh, I don't think you can get him out. Let's walk him intentionally to face Max Muncy. And then Max Muncy jacked out a three-run home run. So things are not good in Chicago right now. So hopefully Lance Lynn can give him a uh, a shot in the arm. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of The Wake Up Call. Here's a little Lee Bryce on the way out. I drive your truck. Have a great day. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.